Hello, Rip City! To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Sunday, the 29th of April. You're listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. Here with me, as always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold Brandon Goldner. What's up, B? You need to get up, get out, and get something. How will you make it if you never even try? You need to get up, get out, and get something. Because you and I got to do for you and I. And what I need you to do is to go to Trailcasters because we would love to get your five-star reviews. I am totally out of order. Let me start over again to say you can find us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We would also love to get your emails at trailcasters at gmail.com. See what the end of the playoffs does to me. We also have an old-fashioned website, just trailcasters.com. But the most important thing of all that I do not want to stumble over this is to get those five-star reviews from you, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher or whatever podcatcher you're using that does not matter what matters are five star reviews because more reviews means more people checking out the podcast and more people means more fun Keith how is everything Woo. going and how did you put up with the fact that I completely butchered that intro you did wonderfully, my friend. Look, we've had 10 days off between our last recording. If you don't count the, uh, the the live recording we did at the Watch Party Game 4, shout out to everyone who came out. But I'm doing wonderfully, man. Uh, we are, we're, we're rolling back in here. We're getting ready for the off-season, a full off-season of podcasting. We will not leave you guys hanging for it. On today's show, let's get right into that. We've got Jamie Hudson of NBC Sports Northwest coming back here to join us. We're going to be talking about the unexpected early finish of the off-season, which I'm sure we are all still uh, thinking about fresh on our minds. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, not letting that offseason or postseason, excuse me, diminish the regular season, which had a lot of high uh, highlights and accolades to go with it. What to do next are three big stars. That's the Damien, CJ, and Nurkic. And we got to talk about they're going to be coming after one uh, some of our assistant coaches. We'll get to all that. Uh, unfortunately, we will not have Trailcasters overtime today, but we've got a lot more to get to all summer. We'll be getting into some deep dives later, and we'll be telling you about our offseason podcasting schedule. And of course, your listener questions as always. But for now, let's turn back to the singing uh, meteorologist here at the Trailcasters. Brandon, how's the weather in downtown P-Town? How's it looking? Downtown P-Town's looking a little bit cloudy, but that's to be expected for spring. We had that wild run of weather where it was super, super hot. Then we had some yeah. rain, some thunderstorms. It's going to get hot again, but right now it's overcast with a slight breeze. Going to peg it at about 61, perhaps. I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm inside, but yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, how is everything with you? I mean, let's just start. I mean, this is not on the agenda, but really quick, like on a scale of 1 to 10, let's just get this out of the way. On a scale of 1 to 10, how disappointing Disappointed were you with these playoffs? Oh boy, uh, how disappointed was I? Pretty harshly disappointed. I guess ten might be like if we somehow missed the playoffs entirely, but I'm gonna go pretty close to that, man. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a seven or eight at least. Like it's at least a seven, probably more like an eight, maybe maybe even above that. Uh, we'll talk about this more with Jamie when she gets in here, but you know th- this this was. Not a matchup that I thought we'd do too well with from, from the beginning. We had some back and forth on that before we got there. But as we can clearly see, this was not ideal for the Blazers and uh, did not make us look good. Yeah, I was also quite disappointed. I mean, it's, like you said, a 10 might be a little bit too far, but I uh, was pretty disappointed. Like you said, we're going to talk about that more with Jamie, but we did not want to make this podcast a pity party. No, we have plenty of other things to talk about. So Keith, without this very, uh, not the <laughs> smoothest of transitions, it really is odd taking time off, but why don't you get us into our warmups? It looks like we have plenty to go over. 
Well, don't worry. Uh, it actually, the, the, the warm up that we've got today kind of has to do with a uh, putting that postseason behind us, letting the memories kind of fade away, as well as maybe, you know, why we're kind of out of sorts a little bit. It could just be uh, when you get into the off season, everyone starts uh, taking their off season medications and whatnot. No, that's not really making any accusations towards us. But what I'm getting to, <laughs> Bleacher Report. Where, where, had are you, a story. where are you pointing? I wonder where this is going to go here. You know let's what? Just, yeah, let's about, see. It. About nine days ago, a little over a week ago, there was a holiday, and Bleacher <laughs> Report was tying this into the sports world. Uh, talking about cannabis in sports here uh on friday on 420 2018 uh they released stories of many former nba and nfl athletes talking about their use of cannabis both in their uh post career world as well as when they were athletes uh themselves they believe it should be legalized far and wide between all these voices that you're hearing from uh used for athletes used for therapy used for medication some of it is a little bit hokey you know the 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 videos don't take themselves too seriously it's kind of what you see on like the uh players only segments where you have guys kind of sitting around in some comfy looking chairs all kind of sharing their personal stories having some laughs with it but overall it's it's a pretty good message what they go through here um just to give some quick highlights, and then, Brandon, I want to bounce this over to you. Uh, Kenyon Martin had a quote saying, saying about 85% of the NBA smoked weed when he was in the NBA. It was a lot. And he took it beyond – some of the other guys, actually, took it beyond just saying it's about the players. Matt Barnes mentions the GMs, the coaches, the presidents. Al Harrington says uh, all these billionaire mentors that he had, they all consume marijuana at some point or another. Uh, beyond even that, they talked about injuries. They talked about – uh, again, Kenyon Martin saying he played 15 years in the NBA and he was the only play- NBA player to make it through two microfracture surgeries on both knees and come back and still play. And he's walking around at this point with no pain. Sounds like he was crediting a lot of that towards his cannabis use. Uh, there's a lot of good topics they go through. They talk about closet smokers, playing high, treating pain, the drug test they have to deal with as professional athletes, the rule changes. Uh, and there's even a little bit of uh, some Tupac talk in there, but I'll leave that for you guys to go check out. But Brandon, I know you've... Uh, done some some work in uh in this kind of field or industry as well can you tell us anything about kind of ties to this how this how this feels to you yeah i mean how it feels to me is you have more and more states who are legalizing cannabis you have more countries around the world legalizing cannabis remember that canada the entire country is going to go full wreck uh very shortly here so as sentiment continues to change as people understand what cannabis is and its effects Um, I think that you'll see more state governments and more countries, frankly, taking this more common sense approach. I mean, cannabis prohibition has thrown people in jail. It's decimated communities of color. It's decimated poor communities, uh, those people who were most affected by cannabis prohibition. And that just doesn't work. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we live in a society really around the world and any, you know, most developed nations. uh, We accept that adults might want to use tobacco. We accept that adults might want to use alcohol in the same way we accept that adults might want to use cannabis cannabis. And as far as athletes are concerned, cannabis is not a performance enhancing drug. I don't care what you say. Like, you know, when I was younger, I used to play basketball after smoking cannabis. It definitely didn't make me play any better necessarily. And so as far as the league is concerned, I understand because cannabis is not legal federally, it's a tricky spot for, for them to be in. Having said that, we've heard in the past that anecdotally, that the NBA's tests don't even really look for cannabis as much anymore. I mean, we had a couple players right. actually at the end of the season who were suspended uh, because they violated the league's anti-drug policy, but I believe that all of those were confirmed to not have anything to do with cannabis. So, you know, whether the league takes an affirmative stance to say, yes, this is okay, or whether the league is just kind of looking the other way, we already know that the NBA is further ahead of the United States. And frankly, I would, I would, I would say, that 2020, 
2022. Hopefully we see a federal solution because the state-by-state patchwork is a little tricky. Very good to see NBA players speaking out um, and standing up for what they believe in. It's always a good thing. One more thing before we get on to our guest segment here. I want to point out, too, a conversation you and I had when we were kind of uh, overviewing this and talking about what we're going to be going over today. Uh, I referred to this as a pot story that Bleacher Report's putting out, and you called me on that, uh, making a very good point, I think, saying that part of the issue here, if we're trying to change the culture and the, kind of the, the the reputation around this, it should be referred to as cannabis or marijuana, getting away from pot and dope and kind of some of the terms that some of the terminology that just isn't going to help people's perception of it. I think that's a, a valid point for everyone to kind of keep in mind. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook, like Brandon told you earlier. Let us know at Trailcasters at gmail.com or go and check out Trailcasters.com. Here comes this week's guest, Jamie Hudson of NBC Sports Northwest. But first, a word from our sponsor, Envy Adventures. Let me ask you a question. Did you just open up your wallet and find a hundred bucks in there just waiting to be spent? Well, I've got a really good way for you to spend it. It is with Envy Adventures. They have a private chartered flight that goes over Portland, the Gorge, Mount Hood, and more for as little as a hundred dollars. So look, if you're like Jerry Seinfeld, that one Seinfeld episode, I always love those Seinfeld references where he is always like getting the money back that he loses. If you're finding that hundred bucks, why don't you spend it with Envy Adventures? These folks will take you around and get a perspective on the Portland metro area and Mount Hood and the Gorge that you've never seen before. And by the way, just to make really clear, this is not $100 per person. This is $100 per flight. That means you can get a whole gaggle of your friends in there and just check out a really, really cool scene, whether it's an anniversary, you got a birthday coming up, or you just want to do something out of the ordinary. Envy Adventures can totally help with that, and you will have a blast. If you want to check them out, please do so at envyadventures.com. That's E-N-V-I adventures.com. Go check them out. She started hosting Portside with the pilots for uh, University of Portland. Then she became the social media host, coordinator, and producer for CNNNW.com. Then she co-hosted the Trailblazers Pulse for Comcast Sports Northwest. And now she is the host of Blazers postgame show, The Scoop, and all things social media this offseason for NBC Sports Northwest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, friend of the show, Jamie Hudson. How are you, Keith? (laughs) Brandon? I'm doing well, although, as I've said before, I'm wondering why I don't get any of those long intros. It's like, oh, yeah, Brandon's sitting here. Uh, but no. No, every not. time I'm on the show, you guys make me feel so good about myself. It's like, oh, damn. Look, Thanks, you know, guys. We have Jamie on here like once every few months. Brandon, if I had to do something creative with you every single episode, man, come on. Like, I've got my limits here. <laughs> no, that's a, that, that is a very fair point. <laughs> Speaking of limits, actually, let's just hop right into this. Uh, the unexpected early ending to the Blazers season and the postseason. Uh, I, I don't know. I would say maybe a, a first round matchup against New Orleans. This could be the limitations of where this roster was at. Maybe that's fair to say. Uh, no one, I'm sure, expected the sweep that we faced there. Uh, but would you, either of you guys argue? I mean, Anthony Davis and Holiday basically played the best ball they absolutely could. And this was kind of, honestly, in my opinion, this was from the start a bad matchup position wise for us as far as Anthony Davis versus Nurkic, their defensive guards versus our guys with some, you know, kind of scoring. Uh, the, the length, I think, was one of the biggest problems we faced as far as the defense they had, right? Would you agree, Jamie? Oh, definitely, Keith. I mean, first off, guys, are, are you like, have, has this really sunk in? That the Blazers got swept, you know? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> so, first off, with no, no right? The defense <laughs> for the Pelicans, I give uh, Coach Alvin Gentry and New Orleans so much credit. 
I mean, they knew what they had to do, and they had to stop Dame, and they had to stop CJ, and that's what they did. That trap was amazing. Keith, you talked about their length. Oh, man. It was one of those things where, with Blazer basketball, we love seeing their team ball, but they they shut that down. Like, they weren't passing as much. They were trying to do the ISO thing, and you can't against the Pelicans' defense. That is for sure. Well, one thing that was interesting thinking about that series now that we're a little bit removed yeah. from it, obviously the the, the Blazers had their uh, the exit interviews. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I heard was really interesting. I mean, Evan Turner is never one to shy away from what is on his mind. Um, and uh, Turner was talking about how... You know, the Blazers need to find something beyond their two-star guards uh, as far as getting offense going. Mm-hmm. And, Jamie, you were just mentioning that Pelicans, you're right, they had such an incredibly good defensive uh, scheme to to take Dame and CJ out of it. But, I, I mean, would you agree with Evan Turner that the Blazers need to find, like a, like, a tertiary offensive set in case that may happen again in the future? And if so... How can they do that uh, with with their current roster? Yeah, that's a great question, Brandon. I think looking at the first game of the Warriors-Pelicans series last night, (laughs) I thought, wow, this first quarter, like, yeah, this is going to be a series, right? But then the Warriors played Warriors basketball, which means they can pass the ball so well. They've got so many weapons, and they've got Klay Thompson as a spot-up shooter. Right. I mean, he would come off screens. He's you watch if you just watch Clay Thompson and how he moves without the ball. And then he comes off a Draymond Green screen and then he just spots up and shoots versus coming off the screen, trying to do some kind of move, dribble, whatever. Like, no, just 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 shoot it. Right. And that's what he does. And I think if you had a player more like that, then that would be so helpful for this Blazers team when you're going up against someone like the Pelicans. Well, it definitely is. Uh, like, let's let's talk more about the role players. Just comparing Portland to New Orleans as far as those matchups go. Besides mm-hmm. our star players, let's label the stars. The the real core here is Dame, CJ, and Nurk. Right, that's mm-hmm. kind of who the offense revolves around. The role players, the uh, tertiary players beyond that, Chief, Mo, Ed Davis, Shabazz. Then you go to Zach Collins. Then you got Pat. So uh, you know, I love our guys, but it mm-hmm. kind of falls off a little as far as if a general NBA fan was asked who who these guys are if they knew the players and the reputation. When you look at uh, New Orleans, on the other hand, Miritich is a pretty known name for his production. Etwan Moore, less so, but again, you compare him to some of our guys already, you're starting to kind of see the difference. Solomon Hill, Jordan Crawford, Ian Clark, none of them are big names, but certainly even Ian Clark, Blazer fans are well aware of what he can do to us. Uh, yep. uh, so, I mean, yeah, it does kind of become an issue of if they're shutting down Damon CJ, like like you pointed out, Brandon, Evan Turner had a, a good point there. We just we need someone else at that kind of next level who, who's just beyond kind of the... I hate to say beginner level or, you know, first first round level of, of NBA talent, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it does. But part of what I'm wondering, again, is like, is it a and th- this is a conversation that all Blazers ha- Blazers fans are having mm-hmm. right now about the season. Is it a personnel issue or is it a scheme right. issue or is it like <clears throat> obviously the truth falls somewhere in the middle? And it's interesting to think about, you know, when the Blazers first got Evan Turner, the thought was, hey, this is great. You have now a third person who can be a primary ball handler when Damon CJ are taking a rest. Um, but it just, you know, it hasn't maybe worked out as as well as folks would want. But uh, I, I mean, I, I do want to go back to the Pelicans and the Warriors. I mean, something that I tweeted out, if you're following me on Twitter, at GoldenPDX. Yeah. And, and you should. This is, yeah, <laughs> uh, yo, you totally should. Uh, but 
the, the comment I had is like, this was the Pelicans team I thought the Blazers were going to be playing. And look, like, Jamie, you're right. Obviously, the Warriors are a historically good team. Um, but let me ask you this, Jamie. I mean, looking at game one between the Pelicans and the Warriors and comparing that to how well New Orleans played in all yeah. four of those games against the Blazers, isn't it kind of looking like part of this was New Orleans was just completely playing out of their right. minds? Uh, good. Yeah, Drew Holiday was definitely playing out of his mind. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be in New Orleans uh, covering the ser- series, so it was awesome to be at Smoothie King Center. And I gotta, okay, I gotta take a pause. I gotta give it up for uh, to the Pelicans fans, you guys. I had heard okay. yeah. when I was in New Orleans, whether it was my Lyft driver or just people around New Orleans saying, oh, like, it's cool that New Orleans is in the playoffs. Like, we're trying to root for our team. But they weren't so into it as Blazer fans. And I thought, what is it going to be like? Like, what's the atmosphere going to be like in Smoothie King Center? Uh, no, it was pretty awesome. I I do have to give credit to those fans. They were partying, let me tell you guys. So no. I just want to say that because <laughs> I was pretty impressed because I had heard, you know, I mean, they don't sell out that arena and whatever right. during the regular season. Uh, okay, but going back to the Pelicans playing out of their mind, um, Drew Holiday made some crazy-ass shots. I mean, you can talk about, okay, maybe yep. the Blazers' defense, you know, wasn't that great in this series, and maybe it wasn't as improved as we had saw this season, but there were some crazy shots from him, and Rajon Rondo was passing out of his mind, which he does, but there were some things I thought, well, this, this is crazy. So, so again, it's it's obviously it obviously was a multifaceted problem between Rondo and Holiday playing out of their minds at their peak levels. Anthony Davis as well, uh, as well yeah. as we got to admit that their defense really uh, forced CJ and Dame to play well below their levels. I don't think anyone would argue that if you saw if you watched mm-hmm. any of the games at all, really. Uh, but the, okay, so the question I have: if this is kind of we are, obviously there's other factors, but if a big part of it was matchup uh, position wise. How much would this have changed if we had just faced, like, let's say, you know, with, a, with the whole mess that was the Western Conference playoff seating, mm. if New Orleans had somehow fallen to someone else, let's say we face Utah or OKC, as I think those were kind of the two other likely opponents towards the mm. end. Could I always gone? voted for San Antonio, you guys. San Antonio, San Antonio was <laughs> always my vote. Ooh. Yeah. The battle against yes. oh my God. would have been fun. I was going to say, as far as that matchup and, and how they did in the first round, yeah, maybe that would have been a, a good spot for us. But overall, I, I think it's just interesting to to note that this this flop that we're all feeling the sting of right now as Portland yeah. fans, it it's it's so, I don't know, I, it's, it, I just don't want to take it too heavily because if there had been any other first round matchup, I don't think we would have seen nearly the same meltdown. That's fair. I want to say a couple quick things about the Pelicans and their fans and, a, and then a quick matchup thing. Number one, Smoothie King Center, like... Props to that name. That's incredible. Like, I mean, it's too bad that we don't like play in like delicious ice cream milkshake arena. But like, don't you dare! It's the Rose Garden and always the Rose Garden. It'll be nothing else. Okay, continue. uh, Or the 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 Rose Moda Garden Centers, I call it. That's number one. Number two, as far as the fans are concerned, I've only been to New Orleans once in my life, but it was incredible because I went to a bar. I was like getting food to go, and they're like, "Do you want a a drink to go? Like an alcoholic (laughs) beverage to go? Like, of course you're gonna have good fans." No, and so yeah, obviously. They brought it. They were super energized for the playoffs. And then about the matchups, you know, thinking about Yusuf Nurkic, I, I think that he actually got some undue criticism during this se- this series. I feel like he was um, criticized maybe more heavily than he than he ought to have been. And it was a matchup nightmare for yeah. him. You have someone like Anthony Davis 
who's humongous and mobile can pull him out. But think about those other three teams that you mentioned, Keith. You mentioned Oklahoma City, Steven Adams. He's not going to be pulled out of the three-point right. line. Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert, he's not going to be pulled out of the three-point line. And then same thing for, well, LaMarcus can shoot threes, but, uh, you know, Anthony Davis is a special, special yep. player, and I do feel like playing against New Orleans, you're kind of neutralizing the best part of the Blazers' defense, yep. which is Nurkic as a backstop. And, you know, so at any rate, I do feel like if it would have been a different team, it would have gone a little bit differently. And I don't really have a good transition for this. I just want to get all of those little comments well, in. So, let, Keith, yeah, why don't let you me help you? Help let me help you this transition. <laughs> uh, so, as far um, what I, I think was the big thing to point out here is Blazer fans are really feeling like the expectations, the, their expectations were, were let down. We kind of, the, we felt way below that bar, but I think a lot of it did just have to do with that first round matchup. I think we should still be focused on what good came from the regular season. But before we get into that, uh, let me just ask both you guys the simple question. Does this postseason, does the 04 uh, postseason change your Blazer fandom in any way? Jamie, I know that obviously your Blazer fandom has certain ties that a lot of us don't deal with the same way. But uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Does this, does this change your kind of expectations going forward to next season? Does it change how you feel about the team in general? Um, I think right after it happened, right? I mean, weren't, weren't all Blazer <laughs> fans feeling like, oh my gosh, yep. like this is, <laughs> this is horrible. We got to change everything. Um, I think it's been nice to have a couple of weeks to kind of, um, sit back and continue to watch the playoffs. I mean, I got to give it up to you. Utah has been killing it. Uh, yep. Donovan Mitchell, that guy's going to be a superstar, I think. But, um, with this Blazers mm-hmm. team, I know that we talk about it a lot that, teams if they're peaking at the right moment then going into the playoffs that's what you want right but the pelicans were peaking at that moment and yet the blazers uh they had gone on their 13 game winning streak and i think that that was the peak and then you had evan turner harkless injuries and everyone wasn't quite 100 percent. there's a lot of um question marks around damian lillard and if his ankle was 100 percent because he wasn't as explosive in this series um you know we don't know that for sure but that's something that um everyone's kind of been wondering about uh so i don't i do say you know that it changes your mind a little bit but i still i'm always one of those people that i like to look at everything like take a step back and look at it as a whole and you know there were a lot of fun moments during this blazer season yes there were and, you know, Neil Olshay said it himself during those exit interviews. This roster is not yeah. done, right? I don't think right. anyone had any delusions that the Blazers would be challenging for a championship right. this year. So, obviously, there are things the team can do to get better. Um, you know, for me, it was so disappointing. You, I mean, you talked about peaking at the right time. The Blazers had that 13-game win streak. Then, you know, Mo Harkless gets injured. Ed Davis gets injured. And, like you mentioned, Damian Lillard may have been dealing with an ankle injury. And so, that just kind of threw a wrench in the momentum so it would have been interesting to see the same matchup even though some of those matchup difficulties would have remained but it would have been interesting to see what would have happened let's say if that 13 game win streak had been right at the end of the season and mm. Harkless was fully healthy he didn't need to reassimilate and right. Ed Davis was fully healthy and, and Lillard was fully healthy and like and I I get also that injuries are gonna mm. happen you can't avoid those and you kind of have to work through them. But at the same time, yeah, it would have been interesting to see if the Blazers had been playing their best exactly how this would have, how it would have shaken yeah, out. Timing is a huge part of it. And the momentum, like you guys both said, uh, that, that 13 game game win streak, if that had come without a, you know, a, a losing streak right after it and the mm-hmm. losing four of the last five at the end of the season. Yeah. That really could have been a, a difference for us. Even if we hadn't had the win streak right at the end, even just not losing those last four or five could have been a big deal. Uh, the season itself though, again, like you both were mentioning, 
lots of good things to to be happy about. Even besides the 13-game win streak, we had the third seed for the first time in almost two decades. Home court for the first time, I believe, in nine years. I'm not sure. So almost a decade there as well. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, um, Jamie, I'm sure you've checked it out from Jason Quick, but he had a video essay kind of running through the highs and lows of the whole season. Uh, mentioned, you know, there's besides those win streaks, there was a six game losing streak, uh, some puzzling losses against tank, tanking teams, but also some epic comebacks like the 17 point uh, deficit that we overcame in Washington. Right. Uh, the best te- detail that he mentioned, he says, let's not forget the Lakers still don't stand a chance. Portland swept the Lakers again, running the win streak to 15. So let's just take a moment and enjoy that fact. <laughs> it's a good season. <laughs> good season if you sweep the Lakers, right? Uh, overall, though, same questions we had about the postseason. How did you guys feel about the regular season overall, right? This this exceeded the expectations, even if there was a bit of letdown after, right? Uh, Jamie, like, did you have other memories that you thought were kind of the highlight for you? Like, what do you remember most? Um, well, the season, it, it, uh, definitely exceeded my expectations. I mean, almost got to the 50 win mark in my book. It's like they did like, it's like they should have beat either Memphis or Dallas. That, oh, that was rough. Those were rough games, right? Right. Dang it. Um, but I think for me, when I look at the season from start to finish, it's like with Yusuf Nurkic, I mean, it was the inconsistency at the start, you know, um, right. think about if he had picked up right where he left off, that would have been, that would have been a lot of, uh, a nice start mm-hmm. to the season. Um, but as far as memories go, I mean, I think it was so cool to see, um, Pat Connaughton come out after having an ugly summer league. I mean, he'll admit that it wasn't a good summer league. Um, and then he showed what he could do early in the season. And then we yeah. saw Shabazz is the man, right? I mean, Shabazz, Shabazz Napier. Is the man. Yeah, and that's <laughs> going to be the best jingle ever. I, I love that one. Um, so it was cool to see those role players really step up early in the season. And then I think that uh, rookie Zach Collins showed why they, you know, the Blazers did what they did to trade up and, and get him there at, at uh, pick number 10. And it kind of showed all of his potential for being a young guy. I mean, I'd like to get your yeah. guys' take on Zach Collins because I know there were a lot of people out there that were thinking, oh, hell, why did the Blazers go with Collins <laughs> at number 10? Brandon, you're shaking your head. So uh, I think that he showed a lot of why on both ends of the court, why the Blazers took him at number 10. Yeah, I think Blazer fans should feel really good about Zach Collins. And let's just, let's pour one out for what could have been Donovan Mitchell. Okay, a lot of people passed on Donovan Mitchell. Let's just make that clear. And that happens all the time, right? Tons of people passed on Giannis, tons of people passed on Kawhi. So, like, let's not beat ourselves up too much about that. Yeah, Zach Collins... So I've been the conductor, the well, the self-appointed conductor of the Zach Collins train. You can go back and look at my tweets all the way back in October, all the way back even during Summer League. I was saying Zach Collins is going to be incredible because of the way that he moves, right? It's not just that he's a seven-footer who can shoot because right. there are plenty of seven-footers who can shoot. He can move laterally really, really well. He's a good defender. You saw him play minutes in crunch time during the playoffs playing really good defense, and the kid is, what, 19 years old? He weighs, like, what, like maybe 100 so pounds? Like, and I'm obviously <laughs> exaggerating, but and he that's something he talked about, too, during the exit mm-hmm. interviews. He needs to put on weight during the summer, working with the nutritionist and making sure he puts on that good weight. But, yeah, Zach Collins, if people are not stoked about him yet, they should be because it's not just his shooting. It's not just his lateral ability. It's also his court awareness for someone who's so young to be so aware and to be so locked in. I mean, it's it's really, really encouraging. And I'm, I'm very interested to see And Maybe, Keith, I'll ask you a question. It'd be interesting to see what his role is next season. 
Uh, are you going to go up and down on Zach Collins averaging above 22 minutes a game next season? Keith, what are your thoughts on that? That is a good question. And actually, before we get to that one, I want to just point out, too, uh, you and the Zach Collins, uh, the, the fan train, you may, you may have been saying stuff about him in the uh, in in, this, in that summer right there, but uh, I had an interview from uh, Brooke Olsendam at the draft party the Blazers held. She's asking me about what I thought oh. about Zach Collins. So I would say that I was pretty positive on him before we even had him officially signed in. So you could be the conductor. I'm just going to say I'm, I, I own the company. Man. How about that? Uh, <laughs> I got my hat. I got the overalls. You know, I'm I'm looking like the conductor. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's true. You got in there before I did. Okay, enough. so. What do you think, though? Tw- tw- yeah, 22 minutes a game for him next 22 year? 22 minutes a game. God, I'm trying. What are the average in, uh, in this season? What are the average per game? I don't know. I should probably look that up. <laughs> uh, 22 minutes is a large chunk, man. And I, I'm still on the, on the, uh, the train for Nurkic. I think we are holding on to him. Uh, but, I mean, if... I don't know if we could hold on Nurk, Collins, and Ed Davis and expect him to be getting over 22 minutes. So Zach Collins averaged 15 minutes a game. Really? Okay, okay. Well, I take that back then. If he averaged 15 this year, he could get five to seven more, I think, if he uh, if he steps up as he did this year. He looked at, he looked a lot more polished than I ever expected him to at the end of the season, especially for a, a rookie who seems so undersized. Uh, I don't know. Jamie, where are you at? What do you think as far as uh, uh, Collins being able to get above 22 over under? Um, I would think he'd, he'd get around 20 or so. I mean, I know that this offseason is going to be huge for him as far as uh, trying to put on some weight, right? Um, it'll be interesting <laughs> to look at his career over the next few years and, and how it kind of changes. I imagine he's going to start out being a, a four, but I think once, I mean, he's he just turned 20, right? So once he can put on some more weight, I could see him playing five and that'll be fun because then he's more of an Anthony Davis. Like he'll stretch the floor so well. Hey. Um, so Ooh. I'm not comparing him. I'm first... not comparing him. I'm just saying. Jamie Hudson says that <laughs> Collins is Anthony Davis. Everybody tweet that it. out. No, tweet that out. Break your news. That's awesome. Uh, but I think with him, what's going to get him even more minutes is, you know, Brandon, you're talking about his court awareness. His basketball knowledge is through the yeah. roof, and uh, I think that is going to help him so much in the next uh, next couple of seasons. I just wanted to add one more thing that I'm going to take away as a positive from this season. Yeah. The Blazers' defense, both yes. as a team yes. and from Dame and CJ, and that's a testament to Dame, that's a testament to CJ, and that's a testament to Coach Stotts. Nobody thought the Blazers were going to be a top 10 defensive team this year. Nobody. Not me, not any mm-hmm. of us, I don't think. So, mm-hmm. like, that's a huge positive. So, I, yeah, I mean, as bummed out as I was after these playoffs, and I was bummed out, and I'm I'm glad the Trailcasters took a bit of a break because it would have just been me sobbing for 45 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that there's a lot to look forward to. And I think, Jamie, you said it earlier, like when we watch the playoffs, especially see how New Orleans does and these other teams, we're going to, you know, I think it becomes more clear. Look, there are a lot of variables in basketball. It's not always as easy as you think it's going to be. It's not always as straightforward. And yeah, I think that there's a lot to look forward to next year, frankly. All right. So uh, I just want to wrap this one up and get onto a few more things before we let you out of here, Jamie. Bottom line, it's not been a perfect season, but not horrible overall, right? We, like you said earlier, Brandon, we weren't going to win the whole thing this year, uh, but there's been a lot of positive and negative to take away. So as fans, hopefully we can all learn to divide that up a little bit. Um, other than that, uh, I, I do just want to point out one other comparison I've been hearing a lot of. People have been talking about Toronto, uh, the backcourt they have there of Lowry and DeRozan. This team has had. Some really nice regular seasons and then meltdowns in the postseason for a couple of years. 
and they stuck it out mostly with the same roster from year to year. And finally this year, they are the first seed in the East. Four games, four wins, I think, above uh, second is where they finished out. So maybe just as far as fans, you know, before we get too reactionary and irrational about needing to break things up, think about Portland being the Toronto of the West. We've already talked about how we are the true Kings of the North, mm-hmm. despite what they want to claim over there in Canada. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I think it's important for fans to kind of remember that, that all is not lost, I guess. Um, so we'll be talking about this more uh, later on in the postseason as we go through. We'll be doing some deep dives on players uh, from week to week. But I want to talk about the stars uh, just quickly as far as co- just kind of expectations again and comparing between what they've done. Dame, Nurk, and CJ, like I said before, these are kind of who the offense is really run around. Uh, Dame, obviously, endless accolades this year, uh, played 73 games, got three Player of the Week awards. That equaled the amount that he'd had his entire career before this, I think. He had... 50 points against Sacramento in early February, 44 points two games later against Golden State, 40 points two games later after that against Phoenix. Then uh, through the five games following that from February 27th to March 6th, he had three of them where he scored over 35. The guy is unstoppable on offense this year. Uh, The big numbers I want to look at as far as when I compare a player year to year, is he growing? Is he, you know, getting better? Uh, points per game, Dame averaged uh, almost four points more, averaged half a board more, half an assist more. He went above his career averages for field goal percentage, free throws, effective field goals. The only thing that even fell below his career average was his three-point shooting percentage, and you know that can vary year to year a little bit. I'm not too mad. The big one, though, player efficiency rating, 25.2 versus his career average of 21. That's a huge jump, 4.2 up. Do you, did you expect Dame to kind of ascend to this level uh, this year? Jamie, like, did you really expect him to kind of get into the MVP conversation at the end? Uh, did you see this coming? Uh, I think being around Damian Lillard the last couple seasons, yeah, I definitely did. I mean, he <laughs> carries himself that way, right? He, he, he definitely shows um, that that's where he wants to be in that MVP conversation, and, and that's where he should be. And it was a spectacular season, and that's what I want fans to remember, you know, because it's hard now looking at how they got swept in the playoffs and he didn't play you know, a he wasn't playing his Damian Lillard type basketball, right? But the season uh, as a whole, it was an incredible season for him. So many times uh, we were tweeting out Lillard time and uh, logo Lillard became a thing now because where he's yep. shooting those deep threes. So I, I'm not surprised and that he was in the MVP conversation. And I know that that's going to continue for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I was, I was not surprised that he reached this level of play. I think what I was probably more surprised about was, again, to go back to the defense part of it, to mm, me, was mm-hmm. the most impressive part because mm, we talk definitely. about, well, we um, reporters and analysts talk about how it can be difficult for a player to expend all of their energy on both the defensive end mm-hmm. and the offensive end, particularly if you're a, a guard, right? Like, it's just, it's not that often that you have someone who can go 110% both on defense and offense. And so that was really, really encouraging. And just, I mean, Dame, Dame has always been consistent, but just the consistency when he was on, like I, like you said, Keith, I think you mentioned that, that streak that he went on earlier when we were talking, just how consistent he was, um, just really, really, really impressive. And yes, like, obviously, he's never going to stop working. He's always going to get better. Like, he's going to come back every year or something about his game that's better. And so from that perspective, it's not surprising, but... Um, yeah, I'd say the defense was was definitely both surprising and good to see. 
All right, so the other two that I just want to hit on real quick. Nurkic, uh, despite us all, I think as fans generally feeling like he didn't ascend to the next level that we wanted to see from him, he basically averaged 14 and 10 was what he had over the last 20 games of last season. He averaged 14.3 points, nine rebounds this year. Uh, again, both of these were above his career averages, his points per game, boards, assists, field goal percentage, free throws, effective field goals, uh, all above career average for him. His player efficiency, 19.2 versus 17.5. So again, shows uh, growth, shows improvement that he's making. Uh, he's still a young player and he only has nine years of basketball, a lot less than most people. So I think there's a lot of talent left to see in him. Uh, same quick question, then we'll get on to CJ. But how do you guys feel about Nurkic? Do you still feel like he was a letdown compared to what we saw before? Did he maybe reach ex- expectations but not exceed it? Where are you at, Jamie? Uh, I'd say, you know, I think for me, he he reached expectations because Nurkic fever was one of those things that in comes around once in a while. Like, that was something mm-hmm. people should really hold on to because that was a very special uh, time in Blazers history. I, I really believe that. And for Nurk, being so young, it's not surprising that there's going to be those inconsistent times. And I think if you take uh, Yusuf Nurkic and, and you try not to look at just solely the stats, but you just look at his play, I mean, he definitely alters shots. We all know that. He is um, one of those guys that... I love how passionate he is. You know, he um, he can get pretty... We, we've seen it, Mad Nurk, right? He can get pretty into it, which I think uh, the Blazers kind of need that, more of that fire, right? And so, um, with Yusuf Nurkic, no, he, he didn't have his Nurk fever play the entire season, but I feel like for how young he is and um, still trying to figure out this system at the start of the season because I mean remember back when he uh was acquired in March last year he this this team didn't play all of its plays like they didn't throw in all of the schemes because they wanted to let uh, Nurk get in there slowly so the fact that now he had the full playbook you know and was that's at the start of the season um and the fact that he like you said Keith he's only played basketball nine years uh, that's pretty crazy when you think about it um I'd say he was kind of right where I kind of would expect him and him and Damian Lillard working together like that relationship, I think, is is something that should be talked about because Dame is taking Nurk. And I think that Nurk wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have had Nurk Nurk fever without Damian Lillard. And I think that was another special thing to see their relationship this year. I'm with you that he met expectations. I do think that the Nurkic didn't live up to the hype narrative was a little bit overblown. I mean, we talked about it during the playoffs, but also during the regular season. Now, the one area where I was a little disappointed was his passing, his facilitating. But like you just said, the Blazers simplified their playbook and were running him out of the high post more at the end of last season. And so when the Blazers this year, they got more into the regular sets. It's not something that was a part of their playbook. So it's not that the skill isn't there. He has the vision. I mean, we see him drop dimes to like Mo Harkless. I mean, how many times yeah. did we see Mo Harkless cut along the baseline and, and Nurkic would like throw it like between five people, right? And it would get there anyway. So yeah, to me, I thought that he very solidly met expectations. That's how I'd frame it. I would I would agree. I'm I'm not unhappy with Nurkic though. I'm happy with where he is. Last star I want to get to here, and then we'll have one more quick topic, and I swear we'll get you out of here, Jamie. Uh, CJ McCollum. Uh, I'm not trying to rag on the dude here. He obviously had a great game. He played 81 more than either 
Dame or Nurkic. Uh, but, you know, Nurk as well, let's say real fast that he, him playing 79, is, I think, was above expectations for a lot of yeah. us as far as his injury mm-hmm. history. Uh, but CJ, 81 games. He had 50 points in three quarters right before Dame did the same uh, in that big run that Dame had. His career averages were... Higher than average in points per game, boards, and assists. But here's the problem, I think, for CJ. His field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, effective field goals, and his player efficiency all fell below career averages. What happened to CJ this year? Did he put too much pressure on himself? Was he not, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I couldn't really, I never really identified it until I was looking at this number, at these numbers kind of as a whole in the off season. But I don't know, uh, Jamie, you have a little bit obvious more, insight than any of us as far as the as the team goes did you feel there was was there any sort of dissonance or 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 was cj having any sort of trouble behind the scenes that you can tell us about or was this just maybe an off season no i i definitely don't think there was anything you know going on but as far as behind the scenes i think his numbers fell off so much at the end there uh this season and for me, I think maybe it was he was trying just maybe a little too hard. But the other thing that I think about is people know CJ McCollum now. He is in the scouting mm. reports like full on, right? <laughs> so yeah. I think yeah. more than just his game, it was more so the opponents throughout the entire season knowing that they uh, they really have to focus on not just Dame but also CJ. And, uh, you know... I remember CJ McCollum, especially to start the season, how many times we saw him breaking ankles, right? I mean, he right. still was um, definitely Mr. Smooth in the mid-range uh, throughout the season. So, yeah, the numbers definitely fell off. But um, I think that it was just one of those things where at the end of the season, with CJ McCollum, because of his game, I think it was it was his legs. Like, they were just going, you know, he was... And maybe it was the fatigue factor um, For sure. because of how he plays, you know, I mean, that those when you're breaking ankles, right, that takes some uh, effort out of you. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back next season. Well, and, and I didn't want to get too sorry, Brandon, let me just cut in here. I didn't want to get too direct with Jamie, but I want to ask you more specifically a more direct question about this. Uh, you and I have talked before about whether or not CJ will stick around in Portland, whether, whether Olshay will be looking at him as a top end trade target or not, since Portland is, you know, uh, kind of lacking a lot of trade value from their other guys. Olshay did emphasize, however, in the exit interviews that he does not intend to be reactionary, doesn't, didn't make any hints about breaking up the backcourt. So this isn't necessarily the end of the CJ Dame tandem. How do you feel about it? Are you feeling more now after the season? I mean, maybe if CJ kind of fell off, do you feel like it's more likely they get broken up or no? I think it is more likely that they get broken up. Um, but having said that, as long as Olshay is the president of basketball operations, he will always have an affinity for CJ. I, he drafted him. He was the first player. I mean, so he drafted Damian Lillard, but a lot of the work, the scouting work was done in the, in the previous administrations, probably the wrong, the, the previous front office. Right. And I, I can't remember how long he was in that chair before the draft. I'm um, in 2012, I think just a, a couple of weeks, but CJ is really his, like his, his pick. Right. And so um, I do think that that matters to him. Um, but uh, so uh, my sense more and more, especially the strong comments that Olshay gave during his exit interview, I do think as long as Olshay is in Portland, that Damon CJ will probably be both on the Blazers. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the Blazers could get in return. I think a lot of teams could use a, hmm. a player like CJ. I think there are a lot of packages that would make a lot of sense, but 
Um, yeah, I, 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 so I guess I, I sort of contradicted myself, didn't I? I said it would both be more likely and less likely. So yeah, I guess maybe I just don't know how I feel about it. It's tough to really say. Okay, uh, Jamie, I know you got to get out of here, but thank you for sticking around. I have one more question for you, and this is specifically for you since, again, you have this Blazer insider insight that we're trying to squeeze all the information out of you that we can. Uh, <laughs> there's been news out of Atlanta that uh, Budenholzer has been let go, and Atlanta is looking at Portland's assistance. Nate Tibbetts and David Vanterpool. Uh, how well do you know these guys and their relationship with the team? Do you feel like losing them would be a huge detriment? Like, could this be a real problem? That I don't think people often think about what the coaching staff could really uh, do as far as a change behind the scenes like that and how it could affect the production from the players. But uh, what can you tell us about these guys? And should fans maybe be a little worried? Uh, should we start a campaign to keep Tibbetts and Vanderpool around town? Uh, I think a campaign would be nice, Keith. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> with both Coach Tibbetts and Vanderpool, they're both those those player-coach type where, I mean, they are really close with this team. And uh, most fans know that Vanderpool and Damian Lillard are so tight. I mean, they are probably, when you see them, like, uh, whether it's at practice or, um, you know, just walking out of Moda Center, those two are together quite a bit. So I do believe that it, that's going to be tough for, for Dame. Um, if and when, and I'd say when Vanderpool leaves, I don't know that it'll be this season, but it'll definitely be probably pretty soon. Uh, he's a, not only a great coach where he has those great relationships um, with his coach, but Lillard's even said it that Vanderpool was one of the key guys in helping him to get better on the defensive end, which mm. is something that's so big because we all know that that was Damian Lillard's huge, like big uh, issue. And so the yeah. fact that you know, when you're an offensive player, that's what you want to focus on. So to have a coach um, be able to say, no, 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 here, this is, you know, we got to, we got to start working on this. Um, I think that was really big. Vanderpool is a, is a key piece with Damian Lillard. Um, Tibbetts is also really close to, to these guys. I know that uh, whenever I see them warming up, they're always, they're joking with him and they're both really nice. Like I got to say, they'll both say hi to you. You know, they're like, Hey Jamie, how's it going? They noticed I was in a Toyota uh, Portland commercial, which I thought was very nice of them. I asked them if they bought a Toyota, <laughs> Toyota, by the way, they said not yet, not yet. But um, these go. are two guys that definitely um, are close with this team but also um, great coaches that I know eventually they're just not going to stick around much longer. Hmm. Well, that, that, that makes sense. If they're a good assistant coach, they probably are on yeah. their way to be becoming a good coach themselves. Uh, I know that Atlanta has received permission to interview Tibbetts. So maybe yes. as far as the campaign goes, Trailcasters listeners, let's start that up. Uh, keep <laughs> Tibbetts in PDX or anything we can think of. Get the hashtags out there. Send them around and we'll be, do our best to, uh, uh, share and duplicate that as for today thank you jamie hudson of nbc sports northwest thank you so much for coming on the trailcasters a second time uh we will definitely be having you back a third time hopefully with a smaller gap than last time let's talk to you more in this off season if you're around uh of course uh if the listeners wanted to contact you what's the best way to do so can you give us a, a twitter handle or anything to throw out there and we'll get them in touch Oh, yeah, uh, of course. So Twitter at Jamie Hudson NBCS, or um, I also have Jamie Hudson Facebook page where I do um, scoop shows uh, for the offseason. We'll have some of that and we'll be at Summer League and we'll have some draft scoop shows. Go. So there you go. Lots of stuff coming. All right. Well, we will get in there. Uh, we'll get you back on here for, uh, for, the, for the draft or for the Summer League. We'll get you in here for one of those. Thank you again so much. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. 
We'll be right back with more Trailcasters, but first, let us tell you about one of our sponsors, Clearly Speaking. So, Brandon, I've been uh, keeping a little tally here on the side about the stutters and uh, little little mistakes and the uhs that we make throughout this podcast. And that last one doesn't count, but I know I've given a few in there. But still, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm way ahead in the scoreboard. I've been – no, I, I have not really been keeping track. Uh, but I can tell you, if anyone out there wants to become better at public speaking, if you have any sort of profession, such as a lawyer, a doctor, a school professor, teachers, ministers, even a sales professional – these jobs are all aided by being able to clearly speak, clearly give a message. Uh, perhaps if you want to get rid of some of your accent or, or just reduce it, excuse me, or even there's voice techniques to reduce fatigue if you talk for a long time. Let's say you podcast for hours and hours every Sunday despite being exhausted and just needing to keep up with this other guy that you're working with. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking for any of that kind of help, go and check out Brenda Nuckton at Clearly Speaking. She's a licensed speech pathologist. She can help you with any of the things I just mentioned. She can help you clear it up and even... Just help you get more confidence. And honestly, that is one of the biggest things with public speaking is just feeling comfortable in what you're saying. Uh, Brandon, I'm not sure about you, but this podcast here, just having the experience and the practice that we've gone through on this, I feel much better now being able to just ramble on and rattle about anything I like more than I ever probably did before we started doing this. And if I went to see a real professional, I feel like I could take it to the next level. So go and check out Brenda Nuckton at Clearly Speaking. That is clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Welcome back, and thank you again to Jamie Hudson of NBC Sports Northwest for joining us. So, Brandon, uh, we have talked a bit about the offseason plans here, and obviously as the, the Blazers don't do the same thing in the offseason as they do in the regular season, neither will the Trailcasters. Can you tell the listeners what is our plan this offseason? Yeah, for sure. We are excited to be here with you through the summer, even though there's no Blazers regular season basketball to talk about. There's still a ton to go over over the next few weeks. We're going to be doing a deep dive of the Portland Trailblazers roster starting at the end of the bench and moving our way up. So every week, we're going to talk about a couple of players um, just to what their season was looking like, what were their strengths and weaknesses, things that we were surprised about, and particularly if they happen to be a free agent, obviously there's a ton of stuff to talk about there. We get to the end, we're going to talk about Nurk, Dame, and CJ separately. Um, And then you have free agency is going to be upon us in July, then you have Summer League and trades, and so we're going to be with you while it's sunny, if you need something to listen to when you're on a run or you're playing basketball or you're doing yard work, you're going to have your trailcasters with you, so no problem there. And we're going to have guests. We're always there. We're always there. And <laughs> guests, too, so we're stoked about that. But, yeah, um, try to get some structure going. Obviously, it's a little different. We don't have games to talk about. But believe us, plenty of Blazers basketball to chat about, and we will be with you uh, to chat about that. So for good, bad, or indifferent, hopefully tons of positive stuff to talk about, too. But, yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. And in the same way that we will be with you guys all offseason, we hope you will stick with us. Keep writing in all your listener questions, and you have not let us down so far. Remember, you can always write us anytime during the week. You can write us at Trailcasters on uh, Instagram or Twitter. You can write us at Trailcasters at gmail.com or Trailcasters.com. Don't wait until Sunday. Let us know what you're thinking right now. And uh, once again, just want to give a shout-out to Mitchell Sports Cards up in Beaverton. Haven't been there myself yet, but I know, Brandon, you've been visiting there. They have, they're a great spot to go if you're looking for basketball cards. Uh, So starting with today's questions, I want to actually go first to some leftovers from the playoffs. We're going to keep podcasting every game, but honestly, we thought there was going to be a lot more games to go through. Uh, So we kind of fell off a little bit there, had our break, and so I want to make sure that we don't leave anybody out. 
Fortunately, a lot of these still kind of apply even here in the offseason. So number one, coming in from Positively Portland at Rip City Showtime, uh, says Dame was still getting double teamed at half court with 17 seconds left in the game last night. Again, this could be game two or three. I think it came before game four, but not not the important part. Uh, so Dame's still getting double teamed. Who is responsible for helping, a.k.a. who's going to drop some Pelicans with some screens? I think, again, this is still pretty applicable. Who would you expect going forward for the Blazers? Who is our big screen setter? Well, it's got to be Nurkic, right? If he stays with the team, obviously the biggest body on the team. Myers Leonard could set a pretty good screen. Uh, what you're going to be looking for yeah, in true. future years is Zach Collins as he puts on weight. Um, I mean, you remember that game one, right? That end of the end of the game possession, you know, part of what Stott said when Myers Leonard came in off the bench cold was that he came in because he can set those screens and he was a threat from deep. So, hmm. um, you know, I would say, though, it wasn't just that the Blazers were not setting screens. Uh, the Blazers really didn't have as much movement as I would have liked to have seen. So when you get double teamed, if you have stuff like people kind of zipping around, that means when you kind of have your escape pass, that there's a second pass that you can hit after that. And what happened, it seems like a lot of times that, you know, either Dame or CJ get doubled and they pass out of it, but then there's nothing after that, right? And so when you watch the Pelicans against the Warriors, and I know the Blazers are not the Golden State Warriors, uh, you see the Warriors moving around a ton more. So at any rate, the short answer is Nurk, Myers, and Collins. The longer answer is I don't know if the screens were the only concern when the Blazers' guards got doubled. Keith, do you have any thoughts on that one? No, I think that's a pretty good point. Uh, I I think screens are generally... A, a big issue a lot of times. I think, honestly, I think a lot of teams get away with bad screens, and maybe if it was called a little tighter, it might help ours look a little better. Because in general, I think we set pretty good, solid screens from a lot of our bigs, like you pointed out, whether you're looking at Nurkic or even uh, Myers Leonard, and even Zach Collins is showing some good fundamentals. Ed Davis sets good screens. Even some of our, you know, Al Farouk sets good screens. I think the only ones that you could really say don't necessarily are the, the guards, just being that they're kind of the smaller size. But uh, overall, I'm I'm not as worried about the screens as I am about what they do with when Dame gets double teamed and if we can find more of a release valve, like we mentioned earlier with Jamie, how Evan Turner was supposed to be that point and it hasn't really been the the, the skills that he's brought to the uh, the toolbox so far. But moving on to the second question, uh, sad blazer hours from at Mitch underscore Hannigod, and I believe now he's going by Mitch Hanniger is my dad. So the monikers change <laughs> a little bit, but same user asks two questions here, kind of related. Why don't I feel pain anymore? I just feel depressed and numb. No. Uh, now that was during the the that was during the series, so you can understand it a little bit. Now here from the off season, how infuriating is it to continuously hear Olshay's bullshit? Olshay never taking responsibility and deflecting questions. So let's focus on that one. <laughs> yeah, <How frustrating. laughs> it's tough because in his position, what are you going to say? Hey, everyone, I'm sorry right. that I gave a quarter of a billion. You know, I mean, you can't really do that. So on the one hand, yeah, it is a little infuriating. On the other hand, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, that, I've always that's always been tough, right? I mean, a, a general manager to say that, hey, we need to get better players. How do the players on the team feel about that? I mean, we saw some comments right. when Washington got eliminated. John Wall said explicitly, we need athletic bigs. And he kind of you know, drove the bus over Jan Mahini and Marcin Gortat. Do you really want to yeah. hear that coming from your players and from your GM? So, like, yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts? Well, and, and I want to throw in here, too, uh, CJ, when in his exit interview, he kind of had a line at one point when he was asked about his opinion on what Stoss did. And he kind of said rather poignantly, I think kind of pointedly to it, too, uh, that... Uh, 
Stoss did the best with what he had or what he was given or something like that. And it was a bit of a kind of dig again, like you're saying that I think there is a bit of maybe some tension between at least right when the season ended so abruptly, there certainly could have been some tension between maybe star players and uh, feeling like the roster wasn't constructed well enough around them. And like you said, you have seen these players and notably CJ and Dame have been full-throatedly supporting Coach Stotts. You don't yeah. see that same robust support for Olshay. Dame did make a passing comment about Olshay uh, in a positive way during those exit interviews, but not nearly to the extent and with the same passion that you hear him talk in support of Stotts. I mean, and to get to the first part of this question, to kind of roll in a third question from <laughs> Belgian Blazer at Lillard Time 09, are you guys also dead inside after last night's game? <laughs> you know, it was tough, I will admit. It was tough after the playoffs ended so unceremoniously. I mean, it was a lot of fun and shout out to Neela Madison for organizing the rip Twitty party yes. um, at uh, 21st Avenue bar and grill. And that was incredible. It was a ton of fun to see all of you out there it was so, so cool. Um, and that actually did kind of it, it dulled the pain a little bit to be around people who were all kind of like-minded and we had a good time and at least the game got close to the end, but I don't know, Keith, like, are you at, like, like how, how long does it take for that feeling to wear off, I mean, are you all better now? Have you dried the tears from your face? I'm not sure if I have quite yet. I mean, I'm still a little PO'd about it, but like, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, <laughs> honestly, uh, I, I again, I wasn't really sure when this question came in. I would say that I was most dead inside uh, and just, you know, depressed and numb, like the two of them have been saying after game three, because when we lost the two at home and then couldn't come back with a fire and couldn't really come back with what seemed like much of a change at all in game strategy, uh, that's when I felt depressed and numb because it just felt like it was already over and we still had to sit through the rest of it. Like you're saying, though, you stole the words right out of my uh, brain since it wasn't out of my mouth yet and I hadn't said it. As far as game four, I had a great time with the watch party. It really did help to kind of... Uh, numb the pain a little bit and honestly even game four seemed a little more competitive i don't know if that was just because we were there with friends watching with such a, a live environment or if uh you know they did finally start to maybe make some changes on the floor but most of all uh I, I feel like I'm over to this point. I've been looking forward a lot more than looking back as far as the Blazers are concerned. The biggest thing that I still can't quite do, I'm having a hard time watching the playoffs. I, I have not been able to pay too much attention because it just seems like we should still be there. And that's frustrating. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really trying to look forward more than back. I do admit that once the Blazers get eliminated in any year, it takes me a couple beats to like get back into the flow of like watching basketball and enjoying it, just like you said. I was really disappointed, and I know I'm going on a tangent, but really quick, I was disappointed that the Pacers didn't beat the Cavs today. I was really yeah. hoping that would happen. But similarly, I was excited that the Thunder got eliminated by the Jazz, and yeah. now, now and then the Jazz <laughs> turned around and lost by 20 to the Rockets. But, oh. Um, oh. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not dead inside. I wouldn't say that I'm depressed and numb. But, yeah, it was it was a bummer. That That's for sure. Let's move on. Uh, to something that's, uh, you know, along these same, obviously these questions are going to be about the end of the season because why wouldn't they be? But from Matthew at Reverend Romulus asks, before the series, I would have killed for another wing for defense. But yes. after two <laughs> games, I doubt that anyone is going to stop Drew Holiday. Now I wonder if what this team needs are more shooters, no matter the position. If you could add one skill to this team, what would mm -hmm. it be and why? Okay, first of all, uh, Matthew, I gotta agree with you on this, man. Uh, I, th I think a wing player is what we need. I, I before the season started, I was saying it's a wing player and defense. We showed a lot this year uh, as far as defensive improvement, and I think a lot of that is 
anchored with Nurkic and what he brings to the table, even if it's not quite uh, in the numbers and in the box score. I think he's a real big part of that defensive change that we saw. Uh, I still think a wing player, if we could get a really good, solid three or stretch four, I think that would really start to to fill like one of the last gaps that we need on this roster. And then it's just about making it all click at the same time, having health like we talked about before, having momentum at the right times of the season. Uh, if I could add one skill between shooting and like a... I, I think another shooter would be good, but I would say more than that, we want a really consistent version of like Farouk and Mo put into one unit. You know, like we, we want someone, a really athletic uh, wing player who can cut into the basket and play lively defense. I, I think that would be the biggest part. But even then, if you combine them into one player and you don't have the two of them, then you lose the ability to switch between uh, defenders like they do. And that I think is, again, one of the big parts that's made the Blazer defense work so well. <laughs> I gotta admit, I uh, I was focused on something else, and now that's You're done. All good. <laughs> I apologize. Hold on a Don't second. Don't worry, I, I wrap that one up. Uh, but no, basically, that like if you could add one skill to the Blazers for next year, uh, would you go with a wing, more defense, more shooting? Where, where do you think the biggest gap is for us? Okay, sorry about that. You're good. Uh, add LeBron. Uh, oh, yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Add LeBron. <laughs> of course, that's the right Isn't answer. Isn't that the right answer? Yeah. Add a superstar. <laughs> uh, it's it's tough. I mean, I think that the, the problem is the Blazers roster needs more than just one thing, right? I mean, so it, it, it's so difficult for me to say, well, they should just add this one thing because what I really want to say is, well, they need to remove this and then add this and this. Um, And if you substituted that first remove this for Evan Turner, you wouldn't be wrong necessarily. But um, (laughs) no, it's just it's tough. I mean, this Blazers roster, I mean, my answer, it's kind of a cop out, but it it needs more than just, you know, a a tweak here and a tinker there. I think it really does need to be reevaluated. both in the short term and the long term, Neil Olshay has a difficult job ahead of him. Um, you know, the, the, Damon CJ's primes will not be there forever. So, yeah, I right. hate to be such a downer about it, but yeah, it's just, it's just tough to say that they, you know, pick one thing. What would it be? I don't know. It's just very, very hard no, to answer. It, it's okay. Well, you know, like what you were leading to, where you kind of uh, leading to there. Well, like we said earlier, we'll get into more of this in the coming weeks. So, stay tuned, listeners. But you also kind of led cleanly into Jared H's uh, next question. At Nervous Orca is asking why, just why. Also, are you guys on the fire all Shea train and more importantly is paul allen seriously paul i have a deluxe car all set up for you um <laughs> no offense jared i think paul probably has plenty of access to the cars he's looking for but i like the sales pitches so, well you, you got to shoot your shot right uh but what do you think <laughs> brandon it sounds like you're probably pretty firmly on the hashtag fire all Shea train i am and it's because He's had several bites at the apple. He's had several chances to build this team and and, and to rebuild it. And this is what we have, right? We have a team that's basically at the luxury tax line. You have long-term money locked up in players who are not, you know, playing up to those contracts and that people criticized, you know, at the time of the signing, um, you have, you know, a, a couple of star players whose skills don't necessarily necessarily complement each other. And as we talked about with Jamie, not just that, but we hear this public unwillingness to even consider a, 
a different uh, f- a formation of this team where you know either mm. Dame or CJ would be moving on. So, yeah, to me, it's not that Olshay is not like a terrible person. He's a great drafter. He's added a lot of of continuity and stability, frankly, to this organization that the Blazers didn't have for a long time. And all those are good things. But yeah, I would say that the Blazers would do well to 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 give someone else a shot. I guess is how I'd frame it. Yeah, I mean, Olshay does have his talents. He is a very good drafter, and even beyond that, he's done a very good job of getting talent for near nothing. All the fringe deals that he's gotten, like we talked about on previous episodes with Robin Lopez, with Mo Harkless, uh, with Al Farouk. But there, even his steadfastness, his confidence in like his course and saying stay the course, that's a good, that's a good talent to have. It's something you look for. But it definitely seems like at this point, you know, three years ago or three or four, whatever it was, when we lost Aldridge, he had the uh, the phrase uh, Evan Sklinchy, Actually, if you look online, uh, had a really nice piece about this, kind of putting together, basically saying when when Dame and CJ and the and Olshe was building the team around them because we had just lost on Marcus, we got forty four wins and we were making the playoffs when no one thought we would. Now three years later, uh, Dame and CJ are straight in the middle of their primes. They're no longer young players, and we haven't really ascended to the next level. We're still somewhere between a first-round exit, like we saw this year, and probably a second-round exit in most cases, to be totally honest. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 hard to say that he uh, he's not... It's hard to say that he's doing the right job as far as getting us to the next level. we got to thank him for what he's done so far, but maybe it's time to give someone else a turn. Speaking of another turn, next question up. Now, these ones are from the offseason themselves, so we're past now the leftover questions from the from the postseason. Thank you all for writing those in. Sorry it took us this long to get to them, but there we go. Next one up, Lillard for Mayor at Rip Citizen underscore NBA. Curious what your thoughts are on this. Myers and E.T. for Mello. Okay, now we're on already. <laughs> Not even with Myers and E.T.? Okay, okay, let's get through the rest of it. Myers and E.T. for Mello. Those deals are moved, and it's an expiring contract for Mello. I'm not too high on it, but I haven't seen that many other options for creating cap flexibility moving forward. <laughs> so I'm not quite even sure if I understand this. I'm still distracted by the uh, the, the regurgitation. Oh. Vom- like, Brandon's walls now are just covered from yeah. ceiling to floor in just vomit. Uh, you know, the, the vomit wasn't just for me, Keith. It was for <laughs> Oklahoma City as well. Like, that that, that that is that is the rare lose lose. I don't see why either team would do that. Um, and by the way, uh, uh, Lillard for Mayor, we love you, and I'm not trying to crap on your question or anything, but it's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. So so Mello has a twenty million dollars, a twenty three million dollars owed to him next year if he picks up that option. Something tells me he's going to pick up that option. So I mean, if you're looking at this purely from the standpoint of if you do this trade, if you're the Blazers. Then after one year, you are clear of the rest of ET and Myers' contract. That's, I mean, that that's cool. But remember that the end of next year, Myers and ET are only going to have one year left anyway. And I right. honestly don't think it would be worth having Carmelo Anthony, who said in his post game, or maybe it was the day after <laughs> his exit interview, he said he's not coming off the bench. Dude, what have you seen yourself play? I mean, he was an absolute liability basically all year, and even more so during the playoffs. This dude doesn't think he's going to come off the bench. I was saying on Twitter at Goldner PDX that I think Carmelo Anthony could <laughs> could honestly not even be in the league next year if Oklahoma City buys him out because they say, "Look, you are not going to start for this team," and he goes, "All right, well then I want to buy out." What other team's going to want someone like Mel? So anyway, all of this is to say that even if you're looking at this just from like you're doing this to get clear of the money, it doesn't make that big of a difference because you'd be clear of that money in one more year anyway. So 
I think, sorry for vomiting, but it just, I mean, the, the, <laughs> my, and, and I was someone who wanted Mello on this team. Do you remember that? Yeah, like, yeah. No, so so was I. And that was the big thing is I, I thought Mello would have been a great fit here. And, you know, there's always the other side. There's always the other side. We've seen players that have one bad year have a really bad fit somewhere. We've also talked plenty about how this probably wasn't a great fit playing next to Russ and PG and Mello, all guys who are ball dominant, trying to share the possession and time, trying to decide who gets the ball in the clutch, who gets the ball to start, you know, certain possessions in halves this could have just been a bad fit for him so maybe maybe there would be that possibility that Mello could come to portland and humble himself a little bit and realize oh this is where i want to finish out my career and so he changes mindsets and he could be a really good wing player maybe even off the bench but the likelihood for that it just isn't there and we all know as well that i'm not quite as low on myers or et uh and their fit here in portland okay myers you know i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty faded on as far as trying to stick up for uh his his career here as a blazer this point but evan turner I, th- I feel like when he comes off the bench running the bench offense he's not so bad it's when he has to sit in when he has to jump into the starting unit and play alongside damer cj where it's much more of an issue but yeah either either way the two of them for mellow i just don't see the chance being good of it having a lot of value got a next question here from rip city at rip city 503 what is a realistic move you guys think the blazers can make to get better i don't think we should blow it up keith why don't you take a stab at this what could the blazers do to get better Okay, so again, uh, just to preface this, we're going to be talking more about this on a future episode coming up this summer. We'll be talking, taking a deep dive on trades, the same we'll be doing deep dives on the players, uh, Olshay, on Stotts, and all the rest. As far as uh, something off the top of my head, a realistic move Blazers could make to get better. It's going to be trading one of our wings, like let's say Farouk or Mo or one of those guys, and maybe an Ed Davis or a Shabazz. You're going to have to give up some of these guys that we care for but are still tertiary players and trying to get a two-way wing. Not necessarily Paul George. Let's go with someone who's maybe a little younger, someone who can come in and be a comfortable third option or fourth option on the offense, but still be someone who maybe sticks around a little longer and is kind of the next wave of, of Blazers. Uh, beyond that, I do think Baz would be a good one to trade because Baldwin is a cheaper backup. Uh, I do think, as much as I love Ed Davis, I think I'd rather keep Collins as the future and Nurkic as kind of those younger, more higher potential present. So, yeah, a package of Ed Davis, Baz, and one of the wings for a really good two-way PG, whatever the best uh, PG, two-way, <laughs> uh, two-way uh, small small four no i was thinking paul george but not paul george is where i went to pg but yeah two-way player is what i'm looking at i just don't see paul george being the option at this point what do you think yeah i mean i've talked about before could the blazers do some package of you know cj mccollum and maybe something else for jabari parker and maybe some combination of something else now here's what's interesting more interesting about this if you think about it one i think the blazers could get like assets back in addition to just Jabari Parker. He's got injury concerns. He's got defensive concerns. So I think the Blazers could maybe either get off of a bad contract, maybe pick up another draft pick. That gives you more flexibility. So that's number one. Number two, there were times during this playoffs where Jabari Parker looked like a really good defender. Now, it wasn't for the entire series, and it wasn't even for maybe the entire game. But you had these chunks of games, like even for entire quarters, where it's just an effort thing where he looked locked in, he was getting blocks, he was getting steals, he was staying in front, and it's puzzling. Like, why doesn't he play like that all the time? And we talked about with Jamie, sometimes the effort that you expend on defense, it's just so difficult to keep it up on offense. But if you're not concerned about his injury history, 
I would say perhaps take a flyer on Jabari. You'd be buying low. You can maybe get some other stuff in return. Again, maybe get off some bad contracts. I don't think that solves all the Blazers' problems. And here's the thing, like, I don't think there's any one trade the Blazers are going to make with CJ that like fixes all their problems. I think the name of the game now, repairing some of the damage done from those signings in the summer of 16 and just doing your best to move forward, that to me is still intriguing. I'd be very, very interested to see. Um, you know, probably won't happen, but I'd be interested in it. Okay, so I just want to throw in here too real fast. A, I think if you trade CJ away and are only getting a player back who's somewhat less than CJ and has had an injury history and then you're looking for future assets, that's going to be rough on the fans, dude. People are going to be coming after whoever makes that move. And then at the same time, the only reason this could maybe work is you know who'd be most likely to pull off a move like that? Being able to buy low on someone who's had some injury history from another team. Olshay, again, like we just said, this is one of his skills. He's someone that could swing a deal like that. Then what do you know? Fans blame him for feeling like they didn't get as much return on CJ as they should have. And then if it works out, maybe by then we've got a new GM and all of our problems are solved. So, you know, maybe that's the way to go. We'll see. Okay, so next question coming in from Justin at Bacon Suspenders. Here's another trade of one that he's talking about. Caleb, PG-13, Boogie, or DJ? Which player would you most like to have on the Blazers and why? DJ being DeAndre Jordan, I'm assuming. That's what I'm assuming, yeah. Uh, Paul George, obviously the most talented of any of those. Kevin Love has looked scary bad, and maybe that's just the hand injury or who knows. <laughs> um, you know, Boogie Cousins, dude, a, a, a guy that big uh, with motivation issues coming off an Achilles, uh, I don't know about that. And DeAndre Jordan actually did show those signs of slippage this year, which, I mean, we talked yep. about it before, and I was pretty high on a trade for DeAndre Jordan uh, before the season started, but he he's starting to slip. So yeah, uh, Paul George of those four, uh, for sure would like to see Paul George. Well, I'm just going to take a quick moment and you know just kind of uh, raise it up here a little bit for, for being right about DJ. I was calling the whole time. Oh, I was saying it's yeah. a bad idea to get DeAndre Jordan in Portland. Uh, but as far as the other three on here, he's definitely my fourth one. The other three, I got to put Paul George as the first place one, like we said. Even on that last question, talking about bringing a wing in here, I was saying someone Paul George-like because I didn't think we'd actually be able to get him for the value that I want to give away. But yeah, if he if you can swing a deal for Paul George because of the way it's gone in OKC, that's definitely the way to go. Kevin Love, as bad as he looked in Cleveland this year, I think he it compared to him or Boogie, I'd probably go after Kevin Love first because I think Nurkic uh, is a better fit for us than Boogie. I think, like you're saying, the attitude issues, motivation issues, and the injury history or injury concern now would be a, a big problem for him. Last question here from Blueberry Joe at Blueberry Joe. By the way, I want to call out Blueberry Joe right here. Yeah, shout out. Right now. <laughs> he went on to Twitter and he did some slandering. No, just kidding. Um, we, we love you. Uh, question for Blueberry Joe. Who else will be on the Lakers super team? LeBron inevitably assembles this summer. I love it. What does this Lakers team look like after the summer? How dare you, Blueberry Joe? Not for the uh, online Twitter slander with Brandon. I love that. It was hilarious. But how dare you? I took it so personally, too. I was like, my feelings are hurt. Listen, how dare you, Blueberry Joe, bring some Lakers questions about a Lakers super team onto our Blazer podcast. I'm going to assume this was a typo, and you meant to be asking who else will be on the Blazers super team when LeBron inevitably joins us this summer. The billboards worked. The billboard, yeah, the trailblazing (laughs) billboard. Shout out uh, to trailblazing for that one uh it was trailblazing right yes I think it was. yes absolutely okay. yep uh so anyway as far as the super team uh i'm ex- ignoring the lakers part i'm shutting that right down there's a blazer podcast get out of here with that <laughs> it's getting the, the super team here would be uh keep damon cj and nurk and you basically had to get rid of all the other assets to get lebron so we've got dame cj 
uh, Nurk, LeBron, or I guess LeBron and Nurk, because he's the third option, not the fourth. And uh, and you're <laughs> assembling whatever roster pieces you can around that. That's my super team. I'm sticking with it. What do you think, Brandon? <laughs> I think the I think it's I I don't like the Lakers either. This is probably the last time I can really talk about them in any good conscience because as soon as they get good again, it's going to be just totally impossible. Um, I'm interested to see what they do. I mean, if they could somehow, some way, get both LeBron and Paul George. That would be super interesting. It just would. I'm sorry. It just would. You have someone like Lonzo Ball, who, as much as I am not a fan of his father, he's a great defender. Um, he's a good passer. He's got really good vision. With a broken you know, shot. Whether or not they keep Julius Randle, I mean, that's an apple that could be shaken from that tree. Maybe the Blazers could get in on that. He's looked good at times. Um, they have Brandon Ingram, who has some upside. Uh, they got Brooke Lopez. Uh, <laughs> no, his contract's actually going to be out there. He's not coming back. Um, they got Luol Deng still, or no, did they trade him away? I don't even know who's on the Lakers anymore. But at any rate, maybe good. Magic Johnson will suit up. That'd be pretty dope. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that's what you hear, right? You, that's what That's what all the people are saying is LeBron and Paul George. Um, my whole thing is I would love for Paul George to be talking about LA, 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 and then go to the Clippers. I think that'd yes. be great. I mean, and, and now, you know, don't count out who is now part of the Clippers front office who undersaw a complete overhaul of the franchise and brought them into championship contention, Jerry West. So don't underestimate Jerry West. I mean, that trade Blake Griffin going to Detroit that has his fingerprints all over it. I don't know. Maybe you can make a miracle happen. Who knows? Um, so yeah, maybe a super team in uh in the uh, clippers that'd be great uh, okay, so Blueberry Joe, you uh, you pissed off Brandon on Twitter. You got all up in his face, and now you're having us end this pod. You're having us end the listener questions with a Lakers question. I'm glad you at least tried to convert it to a Clippers question, B. I appreciate that. But oh, I got you. this is not – boy, I thought the postseason was bad. This offseason is just not off to a good start. No, <laughs> Totally no. kidding. And, and totally spe- kidding. Speaking of not off to a great start, I realize I have not been on my greatest start making sure people get basketball cards, and this – week we did not promise anyone a prize and so we're not going to do it part of this was because let me let me explain myself (laughs) when i went to the rip twitty party which was incredible again i brought a bunch of basketball cards and i said if people gave me the secret passcode which is rip city forever that they could get a card and many many people took advantage of that so Part of it is I yeah. need to kind of build my stock back up because uh, I have like a Brian Grant rookie I'm not going to get rid of and a Sabonis rookie I'm not going to get rid of. So uh, give me another week. We'll be back with the prizes. Um, but yeah, at any rate, in the meantime, we love all of you and the prizes that we get to yes. talk to you about on the show. You know that everyone listens to our show. You're going to be famous now. No, just kidding. Um, but <laughs> we definitely appreciate the questions and thank you as always. It's That's what makes the show fun. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you. And remember, you can always write us at any time, anytime during the week about anything, preferably Blazers. But like we said, it's going to be a big <laughs> off season. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to do deep dives on players, coaches, uh, the the free agency, the draft coming up, Summer League. We're going to have guests in here all the time. Please stay tuned here at the Trailcasters. We will keep giving away basketball cards and keep it uh, friendly for all of you. Brandon, tell them where they can reach us and let's get this done. Yeah, let's get it done because I'm hearing those Odar beats. And if you want to hear even more of them, you can check them out on his SoundCloud page. That's going to be soundcloud.com slash Beats. As usual, if you want to reach out to us, it's going to be at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Emails work too. Trailcasters gmail.com or just simply trailcasters.com. But as always, the most important thing are the five-star reviews. You can put those on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, 
that doesn't matter. But the five-star reviews do because we really, really appreciate them, just like I appreciate you, Keith, and I also appreciate that you are getting us the heck outro here. Get it? Outro here. (laughs) In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Brandon, as always. Thank you, Odar, for those fat beats. Thank you to Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking Oregon. Thank you to Jamie for joining us, and most of all, thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please be sure to come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. There are some actually, there's some beautiful birds outside, man. It's looking pretty nice out. Yeah, it's kind of like that sunny, rainy thing that happens during spring. It's not bad.